Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We begin with the latest on the coronavirus, and Victoria is taking another step out of stage four lockdown, with some really important restrictions easing today. The nightly 9pm curfew has been lifted. Instead, there are new fines of $5,000 for unlawful gatherings. Five people from no more than two households can now gather outside. And the one-person-per-household shopping limit has been relaxed. 127,000 people can go back to work today across various industries. Supermarkets and food distribution centres can return to full capacity. Worker limits at abattoirs and seafood processing plants will increase. Manufacturing can return with up to 90% of workers. Outside gardening, landscaping and pet grooming can resume. Year 12 students sitting their VCE will return to school for assessments from next week. And from October 12, all VCE, VCAL, special school students and all primary students to return to on-site learning. Childcare is now open for all children. Premier Daniel Andrews says Victoria is one month ahead of schedule in reducing case numbers as such elective surgery can ramp up to 75%. Patients in care or hospitals can have one visitor per day for two hours. Outdoor pools can open. Outdoor personal training can resume with two people and a trainer. Outdoor religious ceremonies can commence with up to five people and their faith leader and weddings can take place with up to five people. Yesterday Victoria recorded 16 new cases of coronavirus, two more people died. There are now 399 active cases in the state. Here's that. Live now to our team of reporters for the latest. First to Estelle Greepink in Melbourne. Estelle, there have been a raft of changes to restrictions. Good morning. There certainly have been, and while some people are very happy with the easing of restrictions, others aren't quite so happy and think that they should have gone a lot further. One of the biggest winners from the announcement are our primary school kids. Preps to Year 6 will be able to head back into the classroom from next month, along with our VCE students from next week. In terms of businesses, workers from distribution centres and warehouses will be able to return to work today. That's very good news for our supply chains. There was concern there that maybe some products would be limited in the lead up to Christmas, but now it seems that is not the case. Other businesses, though, haven't been quite so lucky. They remain locked down. Let's take a listen now to what the Victorian Chamber of Commerce has had to say. The task now, Koshi, is to get the rest of business back and going, not only in metropolitan Melbourne, but regional Victoria as well. We think the parameters of, of less than five in a rolling average and then zero to get to COVID normal is unrealistic. 
And so one of the industries that is really calling out for a lifeline is our hospitality industry. Cafes and restaurants can still only do takeaway and they are asking for some help because so many businesses are really struggling. Now to Nathan Curry, who's also in Melbourne. Nathan, a common flu drug could become a COVID treatment. Great news for anyone who's not a big fan of needles. Now, if all goes well, we could be using a nasal spray to treat the coronavirus instead. The company behind it, which is based in Melbourne, says you'd only have to take it up to twice a week and it would boost your immune system. So any symptoms of the virus you had wouldn't get worse and it would stop you from transmitting the disease. They have been testing it on ferrets and have had pretty close to a 100% strike rate. They still need a bit more funding and for it all to be ticked off. But if all goes well, they could be trialling it on humans within four months, Nat. Olivia Leeming is at Parliament House. Olivia, the PM has big plans for next week's budget. Yes, Australia plunging deeper into deficit to try and uh, rescue the country out of the recession and also save jobs. Scott Morrison telling Seven News that this budget will be the most important since the Second World War, with measures to support industry and manufacturing, bringing forward tax cuts, and he's calling on the states to ditch payroll tax to fuel jobs growth. These are quite unprecedented times and of course this budget um, has been cast to, re to reflect that. And the budget will have uh, new measures and, and different measures I think that will keep the support in the economy and, and, and move us from not just job keeping but job making. And this morning the government's announced more support for the airlines extending subsidies for Qantas and Virgin into next year for flights not only between cities but to regional areas. Is what we need to have are planes back in the air. Planes in the air means jobs on the ground. We need these borders to be uh, open again so that we can get more interstate travel. We want people to travel interstate. That's why we're subsidising these routes uh, for many of those places, in, particularly in remote Australia. The Deputy Prime Minister there calling for the borders to reopen to reduce the burden on taxpayers and make these flights more commercially viable now. Sam Bretzer at Sydney Airport. Sam, New South Wales residents could become the first in the country to have an overseas holiday. Yes, now good morning. This is pretty exciting news for those people who are desperate to go overseas or to see family members. And this is all thanks to a planned travel bubble between New Zealand and New South Wales. The government is hopeful that New Zealanders will be able to travel to New South Wales in the next few weeks without having to go through hotel quarantine. And if this is the case, well, there's certainly good news for our travel sector and airlines. What you're looking at here is a massive confidence drop. Um, you know, it's been one of the great things about South Australia opening its borders to New South Wales. It makes everybody feel a lot more confident about the prospect of travelling. The same thing applies to the Australian-New Zealand route. Unfortunately, this plan only goes one way for now. So as to when people in New South Wales will be, travel, will be able to travel to New Zealand, well, that is up in the air. But it is hopeful that we will be able to go there by Christmas. This is all dependent on low case numbers. And in the past 24 hours, we saw zero new cases right across our state, Nat. And Bianca Stone's at Brisbane Magistrates Court. Bianca, three alleged border breaches will appear there today. 
Nat, good morning. These three women from Logan who sparked a coronavirus cluster here in Queensland back in July will front court here for the first time this morning. Diana Lasu, Olivia Moranga and Hunja Timbo all travelled to Melbourne for reasons still being investigated. They were fined down there after throwing a party, but it was when they returned to Brisbane they allegedly lied to authorities about where they had been. Two of the three of them had coronavirus when they returned here to Queensland. They were infectious in the community for a number of days before being found out. That uh, infection shut down schools, businesses were closed and aged care facilities went into lockdown. Health authorities believe that cluster also sparked an outbreak at the Brisbane Youth Detention Centre. All three of these women have been charged with fraud and also providing false or misleading documents. That carries a maximum penalty of five years in jail and a fine of more than $13,000 now. OK, thanks to our team of reporters there. Melburnians are waking up to new freedoms this morning as the city moves into its second step towards recovery. Amongst the changes, the nightly 9pm curfew has been lifted and the rules around social gatherings outside have been relaxed, with 127,000 people able to go back to work from today. Further trigger points will now be determined by case numbers, not dates, with experts predicting daily cases could drop into single digits by the beginning of October, which is, of course, next week. However, mask wearing will remain mandatory and all masks must now be properly fitted to cover the nose and mouth. It's this week, I should say. There will also be tough new $5,000 fines for unlawful gatherings. Getting a bit lost there in my dates. Uh, joining us now is epidemiologist Professor Tony Blakely. Tony, good morning to you. Um, what's your good reaction morning. to these uh, changes to the restrictions? So dates have gone out the window now. It's all about case numbers. Is that a good move? Um, I think the changes yesterday are actually excellent. Uh, dates haven't completely gone out the window because we still need to allow three weeks until we do the next release to enough, now enough incubation cycles. But other than that, minimum of three weeks, then yes, it is on the case numbers. And the case numbers going forward look really good. OK. Now, interestingly, all of a sudden today, 127,000 people can return to work. How <laughs> much risk could we see with case ri case ri cases rising again off the back of that? Well, the honest answer is we don't know exactly, but we've got the numbers down low enough now. The modelling suggests that release should be OK. Um, we have to wait and see, which is why we need that three-week period through to the 19th of October before the next release to just check it keeps on going down and doesn't swing up. So we've got double mechanisms built in there, modelling that suggests it'll be OK, and then a three-week period to check it's OK. OK. So the government says it's safe for primary students to return to school. That's scheduled to happen from week two of the next term. Do you agree that that is low risk? Um, COVID always has risk. I think this risk is acceptable. It slightly increases the chance of numbers picking up again, but not so much to worry about. The other thing we've learned about kids is that the a lot of them are asymptomatic and not as infectious, so it's probably a worthwhile risk-taking. You have to get some things moving back in your society and getting these young kids back to school and freeing up their parents and all that is worth doing at this point. Yes, Melbourne seems to be on the move again, and that is good news. Tony Blakely, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Pleasure. Here's Koshy. Well, while nearly 130,000 Melburnians will be able to return to work today, there's still a long wait to go for thousands more. Paul Guerra, the uh, Chief Executive of the Victorian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, joins me now. Paul, morning to you. Melbourne getting back to normal, head of schedule, great news. Uh, was this announcement a relief? 
Oh, it was really good news yesterday, Koshy. 130,000 back at work today. My street's been alive this morning with people going back to work. So that's a really good start. Of course, primary school kids, it was a really welcome announcement yesterday. Lots of parents jumping for joy. And interestingly, some kids jumping for joy as well. The task now, Koshy, is to get the rest of business back and going, yep. not only in metropolitan Melbourne, but regional Victoria as well. OK, because I was going to say to you... Two of the biggest employers, of course, retail and hospitality, two major sectors that have been left out of this second step. What would you like to see happen there? Oh, let's get them going. Let, let's see what happens over the next week or two as 130,000 go back in and then let's get retail and hospitality going. But importantly, hospitality has to include indoor as well as outdoor. We can't just rely on outdoor. It, it's Melbourne after all and whilst we have good weather at some stages, we know the weather can turn a little bit. So let's make sure that we get some indoor yeah. with that as well. Uh, because there's now a new countdown on for lockdown businesses, do you think the parameter of five cases or lower is still too tight? Yeah, we do. And we've been um, strong on this from the very start, Koshy. You know, we, we're OK with the step that's taken today, but we think the parameters of, of less than five in a rolling average and then zero to get to COVID normal is unrealistic. You know, let's see if there's some ways through that. We think there is, for example, if you took um, the healthcare and the aged care sector out of those um, numbers, probably makes it a bit more realistic. But maybe there's a way to get a national um, conformity across this so that every state can uh, you know, apply the same treatment to the COVID yep. cases so that we can get not only Victoria going, but the rest of the country opened up as well. Yeah, we do need that consistency, that's for sure. Paul, great to see you. Thank you. Likewise, Koshy, thanks. Here's that. Well, speaking of getting the country going again, there's further relief on the way for the aviation industry. The federal government will today announce an extension of its domestic and regional airline support scheme to keep popular travel routes between capital cities and regional areas operational. Now, the busiest city ca capital city routes will be supported until the end of January next year, while the routes to regional locations across the country will be subsidised until the end of March. And the Deputy Prime Minister, Michael McCormack, joins us now. Michael, good morning to you welcome. Um, how does this work? How do you keep these hundreds of routes operational when some of the borders are still closed? We've got people having to quarantine going one way, not the other. How is this going to work? Very difficult, but uh, that's why we want those premiers of those states who've still got very tight lockdowns to ease those restrictions, Sam, because what we need to have are planes back in the air. Planes in the air, means jobs on the ground. People want to travel, particularly as we approach these warmer months where people want to go on holidays, they want to catch up with their loved ones over Christmas. Uh, not good enough that we've got tight lockdowns, border restrictions that are preventing uh, many people from travelling where they want to be around this great nation. We want people to travel interstate. That's why we're subsidising these routes uh, for many of those places, in, particularly in remote Australia, Sam, uh, but for this uh, subsidisation they wouldn't be able to get planes into there. And, uh, of course, whether you're in Bathurst Island or Broome or Kununurra, uh, wherever the case might be, uh, top end of Queensland, these these uh, uh, routes are so important that we get planes yes. on them. Yep. Uh, certainly intrastate, tra intrastate travel, it's uh, very important, but we need these borders to be... Uh, open again so that we can get more interstate travel. OK, so what is this going to mean for the average traveller? You and I both know that travelling to the regions can be really expensive, far more than to capital cities. So for, for someone to say travelling to Wagga from Sydney, what does it mean for a ticket for the average traveller? 
Well, it means that the government is subsidising the route so that the airline can fly on those routes. And so for the uh, uh, non-viable routes, which is making it very difficult, there's not many uh, passengers, we can uh, put those planes on, as we've done for many, many months now, and we can uh, get those uh, key frontline medical personnel, that protection equipment, that personal protection equipment, the respiratory uh, devices, the face masks, we can get those and we can get people who want to travel to those routes from uh, uh, Sydney uh, to those various routes from uh, uh, Perth, of course, uh, you know, so for the domestic uh, air network services, uh, that will continue uh, until the end of January, as you say, and for the, those regional routes, particularly those very far-flung regional and remote routes, uh, they can still be serviced uh, with a government subsidy, albeit uh, until the end of March. And many of those areas haven't seen a case of COVID, so they'll be looking to, to move around the place. Um, now, the key message of the budget has been uh, around jobs and getting Australians back to work. Let's have a look at the Prime Minister talking exclusively with, with Seven News last night about the challenges ahead. These are quite unprecedented times, and of course this budget um, has been cast to, re to reflect that. And the budget will have uh, new measures and, and different measures, I think, that will keep the support in the economy and, and, and move us from not just job keeping, but job making. OK, so for those people watching right now, where are those new jobs being created? What industries should we be looking at? Well, there's 45,600 jobs in regional Australia identified by the Regional Australia Institute just last week, Sam. So there are jobs out there. I know that uh, we've been working very hard through the uh, Minister for Industry Karen Andrews on a uh, on a, a blueprint for uh, manufacturing. I know how hard we've been working to build agriculture to the $100 billion uh, industry sector that it needs to be. I know David Littleproud and I have been working very hard to make that happen. Uh, certainly there are jobs in the resources sector, but in regional Australia, Sam, uh, as you would well know, coming from regional Australia, there are so many jobs at the moment, not just in agriculture, not just in uh, the resource sector, but so many jobs that are available right now. So if anybody's listening or watching in a uh, capital city, have a look. There are many, many jobs available in regional Australia, good paying jobs. Just have to uh, uh, take that opportunity, take that tree change. We have to get these people to these places fast because I know harvest has already started. So uh, yes, farmers are desperate. Um, Deputy PM Michael McCormack, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Here's Koshi. Now, holidays to New Zealand could be on the cards by Christmas with a new hope of a trans-Tasman tourism bubble. Under the proposal, New Zealanders will be able to fly into New South Wales with no quarantine period in, in the coming weeks. By December, residents of New South Wales could be travelling across the Tasman. But if cases remain low, that could happen even sooner. Margie Osborne from Australia's Tourism and Transport Forum joins me now. Margie, good to see you. What needs to, to happen to make this travel bubble a reality? Good morning, Koshi. Well, I think goodwill all round is probably the number one issue. Certainly the work's been done to make it safe, and that's got to be the critical issue. Health has to be the number one priority. Uh, but look, it just takes uh, a decision on both sides of the Tasman, I suppose, from governments on both sides to say now is the moment. Uh, and I think industry's doing its very best at this point in time to put the best foot forward on making this a safe option. Put this in perspective for us. How much of an impact has closing the borders had on our tourism industry? Oh, look, it's mega. 
Uh, and I think it goes way beyond the tourism part of the puzzle too because what goes into the guts of an aeroplane, the freight, uh, is also a very important part of the relationship with NZ. Uh, what you're looking at here is a massive confidence drop. Um, you know, it's been one of the great things about South Australia opening its borders to New South Wales. It makes everybody feel a lot more confident about the prospect of travelling. The same thing applies to the Australian-New Zealand route. And the other thing that's really important is it's the proof of concept that allows us to say we can open yep. up to other ports because we've been able to manage this one. OK. So uh, New South Welshman might be able to travel to New Zealand but not to WA. Well, it is a bit crazy, isn't it? Uh, but these are decisions that have been made by local state governments. Uh, you know, the important thing to understand is the busiest route between Australia and New Zealand is, in fact, Sydney-Auckland. Right. So clearly Sydney-Auckland would be a logical first place to start and then hopefully as things improve from a Queensland and a Victorian perspective, other eastern seaboards and possibly Adelaide, who I know are very keen. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, apparently they've been inundated with bookings over the last week since the borders opened. Margie, let's hope we can get all this up and going quickly. Appreciate your time. Thank Here's you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, JobKeeper is being wound back from today. New eligibility rules means that many businesses will no longer qualify for the wage subsidy. It is being cut from $1,500 a fortnight to $1,200 for workers on 20 hours or more and halved for part-time workers on less than 20 hours. It comes after the JobSeeker COVID supplement was slashed by $300 mm. on Friday. Big changes. Joining us now, AMP Senior Economist Diana Messina and Ben Johnson from accounting firm Johnston Advisors. Morning to you both. Morning. Um, Diana, it had to happen at some point. Is this the right time to be reducing payments? Well, that's right. It was never meant to be a permanent policy. It was implemented at a time when the nation was in a very strict lockdown. Now that we've seen mobility across Australia ease quite significantly, except of course in Victoria, it did come at a time that the government should have started to reduce the payments amount. We've seen that more than 50% of jobs in the economy that were lost due to COVID have now been regained. So it, it, it was always going to come at, at some stage. And I do think that it probably is the right time because the program obviously has a very large cost to it as well. Mm. It doesn't just come for free. Yes. OK, so the time is here. Um, last night, Seven News did a spotlight special and we saw the gut-wrenching story of John and Kelly Jensen, parents of two, who both lost jobs during the pandemic and are now facing homelessness. Can I ask how much you have in the bank now? 
JobKeeper, JobKeeper 2.0 is only 30 billion. So they're telling you there that there's a lot of people that are going to miss out after today. Mm. Yeah. Um, run us through the key rule changes, though, to qualify. The flexibility has been taken out of it, which is going to contribute to people missing out as well, where you had multiple periods to choose from before. Now you only have the choice to compare between the September 19 quarter and the, the, the September. 20 quarter, which right. you require a 30% decrease. Okay. It's going to impact small business in two ways. One, they have to include the sale of assets, so machinery and cars, in their turnover, which a lot of people were selling to create cash flow yeah. for their business, which is going to distort their result yeah. and, and make them ineligible potentially. Uh, secondly, they're going to be receiving payments for, for work that was done prior to coronavirus that needs to be included in their business activity statement now if they're registered right. on a cash basis. So to be clear, your revenue has had to have dropped 30% in this September quarter compared with September quarter last year. Correct. That's the only way to qualify. Correct. And you've got to have those other bits into it. Yeah. Okay, Deanna, what's been the impact to households? Well, it actually seems quite strange. We're in the middle of a recession, or well, hopefully it probably would have ended by now, but in the first six months of this year, we were in a recession. But actually, on our calculations, the average household has had a boost to their, in to their income of about $5,000 over this period because the government has implemented a few new changes in the economy, not just JobKeeper and JobSeeker. They've had early access to superannuation, the mortgage deferrals, the free childcare, the $750 one-off payments that were done twice to welfare recipients, pensioners, people on low income as well. And that has actually created this huge boost to households. The savings rate in Australia has more than tripled from 6% to nearly 20% over this period. So households have been uh, benefited by all these different changes and you can see that in the data. Retail spending is booming. But that's yep. sort of a false economy, isn't it? Is it go I mean, it's, has that, in your analysis, just pushed a recession further out and for, for longer, perhaps? And when all this welfare comes off? Well, we think that uh, the recession would have ended by the September quarter because mobility yep. across the country has been eased. And in states besides New South Wales and Victoria, we can see that activity is pretty much back to its pre-COVID levels because yeah. COVID doesn't really exist in those states anymore. We, yeah. we needed that sugar head. And, and just quickly, changes to job seeker coming in too means the liquid and the assets test get reintroduced from September. That's a big thing. If you've got cash in the bank or your partner has, you may miss out on, on mm. job seeker as a result. So that was waived for the first six months. All right, guys, good to see you. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Really appreciate it.